Welcome to Netonomy's weekly podcast, where we cover everything around IoT, smart homes, cybersecurity, and cyber hygiene. My name is Leon, and I will be your host. We're very happy to have with us today Kate Lawrence. Kate is a tech journalist for ReadWriteWeb and DZone.com, as well as a freelance writer for various startups. She's a big fan of IoT, wearables, robots, AI, biohacking, and much more. We definitely recommend you to follow her at Kate underscore Lawrence for interesting stories about the industry's development. So, Kate, nice to meet you, and thank you for being here with us today. You're very welcome. Um, to begin, I have to ask you, do you live in a connected home with nine or more connected devices? I do, yes, that would be right. I have, um, I have some wearables. I have some pet-connected pet products that I will send to review. <laughs> um, we have um, Alexa. We have um, a few other bits and pieces. I've also got implants. I've got RFID and NFC implants. So I guess I'm, I'm somewhat connected, yes. Wow. Could you, could you uh, expand actually on the uh, connected pets uh, IoT devices? <laughs> Basically is a, um, a battery-powered toy for, for cats. It's shaped like an egg. It has a feather, so it does look a little bit like some kind of um, sex toy, unfortunately. And basically how it works is um, has a connecting app. You can make, make it change noises, so it can sound like a bird or a frog or something else. And the idea is when you're not home, it rolls around your house and makes noises to entertain your pet. Um, I have actually tried it a few times because I was going to review it. And after a couple of um, uses, the cat hated it because it was too noisy and it would just wake her up when she was sleeping and also the noises stopped working so it only made one noise which is like a loud buzzing noise that you couldn't change the volume of oh, that's so the UX, the UX experience was really bad <laughs> and you mentioned RFID implant is this for like uh, for like payments or what do you use this RFID implant yeah, for? You, can't use them. you can't use them for payments at the moment I got them at a wearables tech conference because I've been writing about biohacking for a few years I guess you know I was offered some to you know to try them and you know I, I, I bought one and got the other one for free and you know I, I, I have a little bit of data stored on them just for some um, some you know some, some health information but besides that I'm not using them for terribly much in terms of connectivity in terms of in an ideal world you'd be able to open doors um, pretty much do anything that you might do with a swipe card or a, a key fob or something like that. But um, 
uh, it can be a little bit harder to implement uh, depending on where you live because different different countries have different kinds of, um, I don't know, slightly different cultures on some of this stuff, which makes it a little bit harder. Oh, it sounds fascinating, though. Um, yeah. I have to, have to how, how did you end up uh, covering IoT? Um, what was your first... Uh, <laughs> your first uh, love with IoT or how did you get into the into the industry? I, it's a, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I um, obviously I'm Australian, as everyone can guess by my accent. <laughs> and um, I was running it. We, my partner and I ran an environmental charity in Australia for seven years for people in rental accommodation. And um, we came, I guess my first foray into IoT was um, smart home uh, utility sensors or mm smart home meters for people to measure their energy. When they first came out in Australia, there was a, a fairly small but vocal majority, or minority, I should say, sorry, that thought they were kind of like, you know, they would give you brain cancer and all this kind of stuff. And um, and when we moved to Germany, which was, you know, a few years ago now, um, I got offered some writing work uh, because I've done a lot of research and writing around um, IT and around tech and um, environment. And I started writing about apps and wearable tech. Well, that was probably my, my sort of my foray in. And then, of course, a few years ago, once we got Bluetooth and all this kind of stuff, everything exploded. We started getting, you know, autonomous cars and smart cities and connected um, appliances in the home and connected pets and healthcare products, a bit of everything. So it's just become a, you know, a, a really fascinating area to work. The only limitation of course is it's so big it's not like you can just focus on one one vertical if you like because there's always something happening somewhere right right well as as you mentioned as a tech journalist that's always researching the market and keeping the pulse um, on the market what's an iot that personally an iot startup that personally gets you excited or alternatively afraid of the future yeah, I mean, look, there are so many use cases, and my favourite. I mean, I make jokes about the um, the home products, but one of my favourite is actually called Shot Spotter. It's a um, a means for um, it, it's basically a device that's attached um, in in a public area, and it enables um, the police to be able to detect gunshots through acoustic surveillance. So it uses um, basically uses acoustic sensors that are placed. Uh, say 15 to 20 sensors per a square mile, and it enables them to detect and triangulate gunshot activity. So they can work out the time, the location of when there's been um, a shooting in, um, you know, in a place. Because they, you know, you might say, well, don't people just call the police? Well, a lot of the time they don't. Mm -hmm. So it's actually to do with public safety, and I think um, it just shows that there are a lot of social problems and community-based problems that. Um, tech will have a place in, um, in in solving, and this one's been very successful. It's been um, utilised by a lot of police stations, um, and it's actually been able to everyone from the ATF to Homeland Security, a bunch of other people. They're all using it, and they're finding it's a really good experience. Absolutely fascinating product. But the funniest thing is, if you think of it for gunshot, but they're also using it in um, Africa to deter um, rhino poaching and blast fishing. Blast fishing, I don't know if you've heard of it, 
it's the strangest thing. It's basically, you know how you go fishing with like a net or a fishing line? Yes. Um, in some places they use explosives, so they just literally throw it into the, the water to get the fish. Wow. So it, blow, it blows up. And so they, um, it's just bizarre, but they use this um, same technology to be able to um, detect when, when it's happening and record it and, you know, um, help preserve obviously the coral reefs and as, as well as the sea life so you know com- responding to all kinds of complex social problems it's, it's one of the most exciting parts of writing about internet things well this is really fascinating when it, yeah when you talk about sort of like uh, connected cities um, mm. taking it taking it back to the consumer side um, mm. we haven't seen uh, that many uh, that much innovation on the consumer side um, how far do you think we are? Uh, from these sort of uh, groundbreaking technologies on the consumer side at home um, yeah, that yeah. can take us to this Jetsons-like future? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, at the moment, it's a lot of it is kind of your prototype stage or it's um, proof of concept kind of stuff. Like a lot of the big um, retailers, like say, if you think of kitchen products like ovens and refrigerators and stuff, you've got people like Samsung and um, and Siemens and a bunch of companies, Meal in here in Germany, doing things like um, I saw an oven earlier in the year and you can cook a fish in a piece of ice and the fish will cook perfectly but the ice won't melt. Okay. And they use sensors to be able to do it. So you get all these kind of you know, slightly random scenarios where people are starting to think about, well, if I've got a connected home, what does that mean for having a refrigerator? Firstly, I can have a camera, I can have sensors that connect it to my, um, you know, my Amazon or my retail outlets so that I can pre-order food and know when I'm running out. I can have sensors that um, attach it to, say, my garbage can so I know when um, they record the food going in the in the, the rubbish bin by the barcode so I know when I'm running low. Like, there's all kinds of... Sometimes bizarre, but sometimes really interesting um, use cases. And I think it's coming, but what we're, where we're at right now is there's a small number of, pro- of really innovative products, um, and they're often at the higher expense stage. So in terms of scale, that's not going to happen until the prices drop. And they are dropping because if we look at the, the cost of sensor technology, it's dropped exponentially over the last few years. So we will see gradually more and more products And one of the big uses I'm seeing is, is the introduction of AI, of course, in smart products, which gives them, you know, you're not only getting data from your products, but you're getting logical data that's, you know, you'll be able to identify outliers or reasons why you want to act on something based on the data you receive. You're not just getting a, a heap of um, code. Agreed. Um, And then you know, yeah, you mentioned you mentioned price coming down mm. and AI uh, joining the fray. Um, I, I feel like like a big problem for adoption as well is uh, cyber security when it comes to consumer yeah. IoT. Do do you feel that the lack of IoT consumer IoT endpoint security um, is a real a real fear? Does it keep you up at night, or do you think these fears are greatly exaggerated? I don't think they're exaggerated at all. I mean, it's, you know, let's let's be clear in the first instance that most of the cases we do hear about in the media are ones that have been um, triggered or, if you like, curated by researchers. So they're researchers that discover they can hack a product. So it might be a connected gun. It might be a car wash. It might be a, a car that someone's driving. It might be a, 
you know, the fish tank scenario where there was a fish tank in a, in a casino right. and they could hack the fish tank and be able to get into the casino's um, databases. Like, these are all by researchers, wonderful researchers that put this time into these slightly random things. But I think it does escalate the panic because there are a lot of people doing perfectly safe um, connected products that don't have these problems. But, of course, then we have the added layer where there are cyber criminals. So they're not, you know, researchers. They're actually people deliberately committing um, things like the WannaCry ransom attacks or, um, any, the, you know, any of the, the last things we've seen over the last few years. Absolutely. And I think the, the vulnerability of the products that are, are already on the market is pretty appalling. You know, there's no standards. There's no minimum standards. Um, there's no legal recourse for a lot of it. Um, and those things will happen, like... I, I, but I still see people saying to me, well, you know, the, the, the industry should regulate itself. Um, and I don't think it, it, it should because it's not showing it any ability to do that, let's be honest. But, of course, the problem there is if we introduce laws, the laws can be um, either so vague because they're trying to cover every eventuality or so niche that they miss a lot. Um, and, you know, they're, they're a problem itself. It's going to take a really multifaceted approach where, and a lot of that is going to be consumers that are being aware about the security of products and potentially not buying things if they believe they're, they're insecure. Yeah, and that's when you have solutions like, like autonomy and, and, and other uh, solutions, whether it's endpoint or network uh, security coming to try and, and, and fix this. Um, but until, until that happens, um, as you mentioned, um, what are some good cyber hygiene practices that you would recommend to our listeners Uh, that want to live in a connected home and embrace these new technologies? Yeah, for sure. Look, the first one is to know what devices you've got that are connected to the internet. Um, some, it's amazing. I hear of scenarios all the time where people um, have connected home products, but they have no idea how many, and therefore they have, when they, they have no means to update them or plan to update them when they need patching or anything like that. Um, I think you also need to have good knowledge. A lot of this stuff is power is knowledge, you know. It's updating, it's, and a lot of it is based on the kind of the minimum factors. It's knowing about risk management, knowing how to identify an email that you shouldn't open, making sure you have multiple passwords that are a two-factor at least authenticated, things like that. It's using services like um, Shodan as one example, search mm -hmm. engines that allow you to see if your devices are publicly accessible through the internet. That's Scary. And, and therefore vulnerable to hackers. Um And, you know, just make, just really pushing, questioning the products you get. If you're getting the cheapest products from, from um, parts of Asia or Shenzhen um, and they're connected, you, you might want to check them out a bit. You know, take, take some care and be, you have to be vigilant with this stuff. It's not, unfortunately, we're in an era where you can't just do it once and leave it. Things always need updating. So if you see a vulnerability or you see an alert, update your stuff, stay informed. You don't need to be hysterically um, fearful that someone's going to take over your home or what have you. But it's about making judicious decisions of what, what you would accept. I mean, we've seen, for example, recently the idea of the um, some of the smart locks that um, I think Amazon was pushing so that their their drivers could drop Uh, you know, drop the groceries inside the home. Yes. People have found they can already hack them. <laughs> so, you know. Thank God they were researchers. Yeah, that's right. And, you, you know, and, and of course the, the whole issue around 
white hat, white hat researchers and, and their ability to be um, respected and safe in, in their work is very important. That was great. That was great, Kate. Um, really appreciate your time. Thank you very no much for, for sharing it with us. And I, I really look forward to reading your next piece on IoT developments. Yeah, definitely. Um, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.